0: another episode of the monet talks with your host ama apia in today's episode my friend yodana sitoria stops by the virtual studio to catch me up on what she's been doing in her first year of postgrad. as a black woman in stem she talks about her experiences as a manager in corporate america yodana gives good insight as to how she navigated that corporate space and how that experience has been impacted by the george floyd murder and the black lives matter movement We both discuss our thoughts on the conversations we've had at work and the sometimes, um, let's say, surprising (laughs) reactions. Yeah, it's been an interesting time, guys. You'll find out. But I think this conversation really puts into perspective how difficult it is for Black people to survive these environments, even though she and I are very used to being the only Black person, let alone Black woman, in the same room. We also reflect on our forever love for the Jonas Brothers and how we are a bit salty, That Priyanka and Sophie took our men, guys. I'm, I'm just, it's just offensive, you know. I know you think I would have gotten over it by now, considering that Joe and Sophie had their baby literally last week. But, you know, some grudges are held forever, and I'm still in pain, and just, just gotta let me be. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I really thought it was so funny. Honestly, it was just like such a great time to talk to Yodanas. I. It's so great to reminisce our like UConn memories and just talk about things we've been up to. Um, and I really think that the experiences that we discuss are really informative for you all. Um, and you guys will learn a lot from it. So I hope you guys enjoy. And I will talk to you all next week with another episode. Bye. Have a good week. Bye. Hi. Hi. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. I miss you so much. I'm literally so happy right
1: now. <laughs> I miss you too.
0: Oh my god how are you like in general like i haven't i feel like i haven't like chatted with you in so long like actually
1: i know um i'm good um i'm sad you're moving
0: i know because you can't just like come over just like randomly uh, no it's an end of an era I was thinking about this today because um when i was doing the planning again i was like thinking about our, like i have so many favorite moments in our relationship and honestly i was just sitting here thinking you my first year in post-grad you were there for a lot of like those key moments like you were like one of the fr- i think you were like the first person to come see me in my apartment which is Aww. a lot to me so i was thinking about it today i was like damn my bitch, i'm just gonna miss her because she can't just come <laughs> over anymore
1: <laughs> but literally pre-covid we were peaking <laughs>
0: <Literally>. <laughs> we were peaking at the native mills
1: <laughs> we were we were
0: um, welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I have my good friend, Yodanis Etoria. Yodanis and I met at UConn when she transferred in, I think, your sophomore year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, we've been friends ever since. And I was just talking to her right before this and saying that Yodanis has really been there for a lot of key moments for me in postgrad because she was one of the first people who visited me in my apartment in Boston. And like, we just had so many memories that I really treasure forever. Like I was actually watching, that's what I was doing too. I was watching um, old videos of us. I think it was on my birthday or like my birthday weekend or something. Oh God. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh God. Oh God. Indeed. <laughs> and I was just so emo. I was like, why am I so emotional right now? I'm really sad because I'm leaving and she can't just come over just anytime she wants. So it's-, it's i got to so book a trip. Yeah, you have to, you have to. Um, And with that, I want us to talk a little bit about our favorite moment in our relationship. I'll let you go first. Um,
1: So I was thinking about it and I decided that my favorite moment, not that they're all not great, was definitely when you showed up at my graduation um, and took pictures and stuff. Because I think it's a good representation of like the type of person you are that you show up for your friends. And, like, mm-hmm. so many people were like, yeah, I'm going to try and make it. I'm going to try and make it. And Alma showed up. She was the only one who came. And, like, some of my, those pictures she took um, and meeting my entire family, like, my favorite pictures of me of, like, all time. So, <laughs> right before, I'm like, oh, my God, my friend Alma actually showed up.
0: Yes. Okay. It was so nice to meet your family, too. And finally meet the famous Roger.
1: Yes. mystery E-Tory.
0: <laughs> <Roger. laughs>
1: He's, he's, literally famous.
0: he's literally iconic. Do you understand? You should understand. You know, he is actually iconic. I felt like I was starstruck.
1: I was, literally, I feel like every other sentence I say has Roger in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally.
0: I was like, oh my God. I, I was honestly so happy to also be there because I could tell how proud he was of you. And it was a big moment for him, you know? So it was just, I was so glad to be there. And your cousin was there too. And she was killing it. She had also graduated. Mm -hmm. So fun. I actually really missed that day. That was so fun. It was a good day. Um, Yeah. I would say for me, my favorite moment, I always talk about this, was the Jonas Brothers concert. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I almost, you know what? I almost said Mary J. Blige. I almost said that. I almost said it too because you got me those tickets. So, <laughs> so like, that's sweet that she did that. But I picked graduation instead. Jones was an iconic day. It was so <laughs> because, okay, backstory everyone. I, so I, in my mind, right. Yodonis and I had been talking about this concert for what, months. It feels like years. And we were like, we're going to go like, this is, we don't, this is it. Like there's no questions asked, whatever. But then I got closer to the date and it seemed like it was harder and harder to go because we were both working and the show was on a Saturday, but like we were, I think you had just started working. It was my like first weekend after I was here. <laughs> <laughs> I had no money. <laughs> like It was literally your first weekend. <laughs> she, I was like, girl, how are we going to do this? And so the week of, I was stressed because I didn't have a ticket, number one. Neither of us had tickets to the show, but we kept saying we are going. Everyone I was going, I had no ticket. (laughs) We had no ticket at all, okay? We just knew. It was like a manifestation. We're like, we're going to this damn show. And then it gets closer and closer. And I was like, this is not going to work. Because the way the transportation was going to, like, it was just too complicated to get there. And I was like, damn, I'm like, I, I'm not going to be able to go to see the Jonas Brothers. Like, my childhood dream is crushed. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yordanis calls me the day of the show. This is like, <laughs> I, I kid you not. Wow. Like,
1: <laughs> like, before I needed to leave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she calls me. So I'm like, I, in my room, I'm like, I, I'm not going to the show. Like, this is so sad. She, I get this phone call at like, I think nine in the morning or something. She's like, you ready for the show? I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, we're going to see the Jonas Brothers. What do you mean? What am I talking about? Aren't you getting ready? I'm coming over. And I was like, bitch, what are you talking about? And they still didn't even have a ticket. I bought the ticket after. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I paused and I was like, okay, yep. I, yep. The bathroom is getting clean right now. The air mattress is getting busted out. We get ready to go. <laughs> She literally bought her tickets on the phone with me. She was like, yep, I'm purchase- purchasing this now. She's like, I'm charging it on my credit card. I was like, you don't, you just started working. <laughs> I literally just got the credit card, too. <laughs> just came in the mail. <laughs> it was it was honestly like my my favorite days honestly in my life because it was just so you're so fun and like i've always known that because yodonis and i are the friends who are at the pregame dancing to high school musical cuter girls doing all the choreographies like we those bitches we lit you know so it's gonna be fun but this was i don't even know how to describe this but it was just First of all, it's the Jonas Brothers, okay? So when you're hearing Nick Jonas singing his line and burning up red dress, it's just a different... It just hits different, okay? <laughs> it hits different in person. But when you're with Yodonis, it's a whole nother story. Also, I just remembered this. Yodonis and I had different seats. We weren't even in the same row. We so... Figured
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we figured all of that out. We had... To- <laughs> we were like right on the spot trying to figure it out. So we're sitting in the same section, right? And, uh, like, at least the same section, just different rows. And she's like three rows ahead of me or something. So, or I think the other way around. And we're trying to figure out who is not showing up at their seats yet. We're like scoping it out and we're like, who didn't show up? And then we're just moving around and trying to steal people's seats on the low. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure people hated us. they like, we didn't care. We were being yeah, so no, we're obnoxious. They look- <laughs> like, they did not like us at all. at all. At all. But then at the same time, we were making friends in the bathroom line. So, really yeah. truly. One of those girls still comments on my Instagram. it's like she's so good. And I'm like, "Hey, girl, from the Jonas Brothers concert." <laughs> oh, I can see lifelong friends, lifelong. Yeah. And then, guys, I know this is like the story is getting like taking forever, but I need to say this: Priyanka Chopra was sitting right behind us at this show. Mm. Now, <laughs> Yodana- mm. um feels some type of way about Priyanka. I oh my man. That's what she did. <laughs> She stole Nick Jonas from me. <laughs> so, you know, we, we feel we're obviously a little bit upset about this whole situation. And Priyanka just happened to be behind us. But no one realized until I turned around and like looked because I was freaking out over something. I turn around. I see her dancing. I don't know if it was to burn it up or what. I go, yo, Priyanka and she like looks down and the whole section turns around and is like looking at her and they're all waving you were just so pissed i couldn't even be starstruck i was still mad, <laughs> still mad. i thought i saw sophie turner there too and i was about to get pissed at her too because she stole my mans so i was like what mm-hmm. i was like cool i ought to be here i don't know who told them they they weren't welcome it's just a whole damn mess so that was definitely one of my my favorite moments but i just feel like in general we've just had so much fun in school just with pre-games and just seeing each other on campus even though we were both so busy there was never a moment where i was like i I don't know i was just every single time would be just so happy to see you and hang out with you and just catch up with you so um and that yeah, and I, that was definitely like something that I always will remember, like with UConn for sure. Cause I'll see you in the middle, I'll literally see you on the streets and be like, Yo, yo, Donna's bitch! Girl, I'll just screaming. So <laughs> crazy as hell. So <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> no, we were actually <laughs> obnoxious. I want to give you the chance to introduce yourself, give your background, what have you been up to in the past year or so. Take it away.
1: Okay, so um I went to UConn with Alma, obviously, and I studied chemical engineering. Um, I graduated this past year, actually, what is it, like two years ago now? I don't know, Twenty (laughs) nineteen, class of 2019. Um, And I started working um, for a Fortune 50 company. So it's a lot bigger than I even kind of knew at the time. Um, And I got a management position there to, basically manage a group of people at a manufacturing facility that's kind of me i'm jamaican first (laughs) generation hopefully it
0: she lit she lit so first of all that was one of my first questions i was like why the hell would you do chemical engineering why would you put yourself through through all of that so why so why give me give me some excuse please
1: this obviously i have like Sometimes I lack brain cells. The reason why I picked chemical engineering is because I liked the show Breaking Bad. So I got really (laughs) into (laughs) it. And I was only ever good at math in high school and middle school and all kinds of school. I couldn't do anything but math. And I sucked at science. Like they were trying to put me in like the lower science classes going into high school. So I just like didn't care. It was like, who cares about mitochondria, not me. Um, I agree. so I um I basically like when I got to my sophomore year I got really into chem and I was like oh I like this and then now that I know chem I was doing gen chem so it's literally just math so of course I liked it I, hate
0: um, you. I really do I can't with you right now that's
1: <laughs> <laughs> like all I could do so I picked my major because I was like I can't just major in math like I, I don't know I always thought about like Supporting my family and making money so I can help my parents with bills and things like that. And I was like, I don't really know what people who major in math do other than teach math. And I was trying to make money, so I was like, I'll go for engineering. And I just put the two two together. But really, it was mainly because I really liked Breaking Bad. That was like the <laughs> reason.
0: <laughs> Honestly, that's a good enough reason. I cannot believe you love math that much. I can't. That's the one I was good at. I can't with you. I really like math gave me like angina. Like actual like chest pains cannot it's not good for my health. So we oh should and this is someone who's going into business getting my MBA. So let's see how that goes with accounting.
1: Do you want to hear something mad terrible?
0: What? Sometimes
1: when me and my coworkers go out, I haven't done it with them, but I've been begging to do it. They do like multiplication for fun
0: i i'm i'm ending this podcast right now hi everybody thanks for having me <laughs> i'm over it i'm done oh my god oh so i mean in you're know, going into it so you clearly love math you're good at it you know and you go to uconn you transferred actually and so your sophomore year and so i was one i'm just wondering what was it like being a black woman in chemical engineering at UConn? Like h- academically, what was it like in the classroom space or, you know, trying to make friends in that um, in that space for you?
1: Oh, I like, I think part of this was partially my fault because I was, I kind of always had the philosophy of like, I'm going into class to learn. So I wasn't very social when I got into college in class, but I think it was hard to make friends. Um, like the one engineering friend I had was black and like, we just did everything together. Yeah. And I feel like I remember just like feeling like there were a lot of perceptions on me and like my capabilities in mm. actually doing what I was doing. Like nobody knew me. So I don't know how they had come up with these assumptions that like, I wasn't doing well or like, don't help her because she's just trying to take the answers and things like that. But that's mm. how it felt all the And I had comments made about, like, um, I think I remember telling you this because I was in the library with you guys when I figured this out, that, like, the people I was working with had, like, been talking that I didn't um, deserve my internship and all these things. And it was just, like, such a weird thing to say about people you just don't know. Like, you don't know how I'm doing on my tests. You don't know how I'm doing on my homework assignments. You don't know. We're not sharing are great. So I didn't really understand why the assumption was that I must be failing or that I'm not worthy of opportunity.
0: That's so, I remember that. And I remember how angry I was like for you, because especially for something like that, the situation was for uh, a big project. So you have to work with these people. This is a team. So how do you even continue to do that if they just have those perceptions on you and like you i just wouldn't feel motivated to do anything i'd just be like all right we'll take it i don't want it i don't want it you would agree that's honestly how i felt at one point but like
1: i don't know the capricorn in me won't let me stop doing so i still have to do it (laughs) hey
0: we love that though we love that for you were there any moments in those situations where you doubted that This was something you wanted to do or continue with you said as a capricorn (laughs) that you wouldn't let yourself but in general did you ever doubt it yeah
1: yeah um there were many times in my college career that i genuinely thought i wasn't going to be able to complete my major um Mm there would be certain situations whether it be like a specifically or especially hard class And just like the relationships I was having with people in the group work I was doing where I really and truly just felt like I'd rather go do something easier that like I knew I would just easily succeed at and not have to deal with all of the extra stuff that was just added to it that was unnecessary. But there were many times where I thought like, should I just go into chem? But from what we just talked about, I couldn't do that either. But I did genuinely think about leaving my major many times.
0: Wow. And so what did you, like, what did you have to tell yourself in order to persevere and, and do continue on that path? That I could do it. And my dad has
1: always, like, told me, like, to do the best and be your best. And if that's not enough, try and be better. So I've kind of always had that um, mindset of just working harder, which, I don't know, sometimes can probably be a problem. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I think it's something that, like, immigrant parents kind of push on kids a lot. Mm-hmm. But, I just knew I didn't want to stop. Like I didn't I felt like to quit would have been a failure rather than um no, yeah, to quit would have been a failure and it wouldn't have been worth it to have to explain that failure not knowing if I could have done it. And obviously I could cuz I graduated with it. So I'm glad I did it.
0: Yeah. No, and I that's I it makes me think of when I was pre-med RIP, remember? <laughs> Go yeah. Back to that era. <laughs> uh, and I just I remember how stressful it was for me as well and like going through not only the rigor of the classes but just trying to be in the space and feel like you belong because not only mm-hmm. are your peers kind of indicating that you don't belong your professors and advisors also are telling you you don't which is even stressful because they're the ones who at the end of the day are you know giving you the check the check to pass or you know what I'm saying I continue on on the path and get you where you need to be so when you already have all of those as you said, those extra things on top of just trying to get through the class, it's like well who has who has a damn time <laughs> yeah. this Oh, and it's a lot of stress to you with I love to talk about the immigrant parent thing because I just think it's so important. People don't understand. <laughs>
1: it's they like don't. a
0: whole thing to unpack it really a, is <laughs> i need i need to start a damn show about immigrant parents that's i yeah. think it's a whole other narrative and it just makes things so much more complicated and at least for me when i was going through you know the pre-med thing i felt just a lot of pressure to continue doing that at least for you like you felt like you still enjoyed it and something would you say you were passionate about chemical engineering math all of those things
1: um no, I'm like passionate about being successful, which sounds terrible.
0: <laughs> no, but I get it. I get it. Me too. <laughs> no way, makes sense. You know, especially with the again with the way the mentality that we're raised with, it's like you need to survive and be steady. Like that's that's what um, our parents like basically tell us, and that you're always so. Well, at least for me as a pre-med student when I realized it wasn't working for me, I was like, "Oh my god, like what am I going to do now? How am I supposed to be steady?" It's it's a, very stressful to kind of have to explain to people that that or your parents at least that it's yeah. not something you want to do anymore. Um and so it was it was definitely very hard for me and it also felt like kind of what you said where you didn't want to I have to explain the failure, right? For me, that was, that's exactly, I did not want to talk about it. It felt like a weakness mm-hmm. to say that I didn't, this wasn't for me. But then I realized at the end of the day, like there's just a lot of strength in knowing what works and what doesn't work for you. And then, you know, advocating for yourself in that way and just turning it around. Um So I I applaud you and I for honestly getting through that because I think that in itself is, it's literally so much work and a a lot of emotional stress. Yeah. (laughs) Labor. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what, when you graduated, you must've been like so fucking happy. You're like, I'm done with the checkers. I'm done for now. What (laughs) am I going to do? So now you have this job, which is amazing. I'm still so proud of you for landing that managerial shoes (laughs) on her eyes. Donna, stop it stop it right now right now this girl landed a managerial position right out of school do you know how hard that is like maybe i don't know maybe it's just because she's engineering but she's also a bad bitch So, so of course are we surprised absolutely not um but what was the transition into this role like what was like what was it like for you
1: um, I think the transition into the role was a lot less stressful for me as mm. in comparison to the transition of my life. Um mm. I was used to when I lived over here, I was used to being at school and being surrounded like you and our friends. Um so I was happier and even when I had to go home for the summer or my internship experience was luckily like 15 minutes away from my home, so I always had that security blanket. Of being around people, even in college when I lived alone, moving here by myself, especially going through COVID when I can't oh my see God. people come see me, and um, uh, with the, my activism and Black Lives Matter, it's definitely felt a little more isolating. So I feel like in the beginning when I was having problems uh, adjusting, it wasn't more so adjusting into my role. Um, Because I was comfortable with the leadership aspect of it. And I was comfortable mm. leading. But mm. I was uncomfortable in my personal life and still kind of am.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm. I That's how I feel too. Especially, I mean, <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but you know, Black Lives Matter is really revealing a lot. It's exposing all of y'all out there mm. who are just mm, not it. I'm seeing all y'all not saying anything or saying something that I'm like, ooh, that did not. Land very well or age very well. <laughs> right? Like, it's like you really think you're speaking facts right now, but. This <laughs> I was happier when you were quiet. <laughs> no, yeah, I was like, you probably should have just not, you should have just posted the black score and went. Like, just go. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> there was no need for all that. <laughs> no, but I agree. And it's very interesting um, that you say there wasn't, you know, it was, I, that makes sense that there was a larger. It was a larger, like, kind of learning curve to transition into your life, more so more so than the role. I think I also agree with that. Ah, actually, for me, it was more of like both because I wasn't. Yeah. I was transitioning from biology to fashion merchandising, so that was like, woo, like a complete <laughs> like learning curve. But I also felt that even though I had grown up in spaces that were predominantly white, I still felt that um, transitioning into a company where it's still pretty they they are working on trying to make it more diverse and inclusive but we're transitioning into a company that is predominantly white was hard still for me and it's i'm seeing it more and more um with this whole black lives matter thing happening because it's like how do you bring up these i you know i still have the conversations with my coworkers and you know my teams i feel confident in that but you still it's, it's so hard. It's like, how do you really express your feelings and convey your emotions about these things, you know, at work? And, yeah. So, I, like, in the beginning, I would
1: say, when was it? March? No, May. In the beginning of May, I was, like, literally so distraught over everything in relation to Black Lives Matter. Like, I had found that, like, I almost lost myself and i read something somewhere online it's probably something we saw on instagram and it was like what like racial trauma or like racial something i don't know the instagram psychiatrist like made it up but it like <laughs> it was to me. um it, it was basically like saying like there are certain signs that sh- like people will exhibit if they're like reacting to race in a negative way um during this time, and I know for a fact I was like this at work. I was like silent. I wasn't talking to anybody because every time I looked at somebody, knowing where I worked, my perception was like they're racist. Like mm. I just felt like I was walking around work surrounded by racists twenty four seven. Which is like it's not true, but that's like literally how I felt in the beginning, right? I- I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, hold on. Like, not everybody's racist. You've had, I've had racist experiences at work. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was the reason why I walked through that situation, like, honestly, nervous. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to channel this energy into something positive. I need to make positive change. I can't just keep posting on Instagram. I can't just keep donating. It doesn't feel like it's enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's when I decided to open up those conversations at work to have um, the leadership around me start having these conversations at different levels than just me and my peers. Because Mm -hmm. me and my peers can't change everything. I wanted to make sure that we as an organization were open open enough to have the dialogue and also confident in our stance or position in the conversation, which is pro Lives matter. Mm -hmm. While having those conversations, like I swear to God, I feel like At first, I were going positively, and, like, I've had people say, like, hey, you're changing my opinion on the way I see things and um, how I feel like we as an organization should be going about this. And then I've had, like, people, I almost feel like I'm now, like, the race girl. Like, if my race wasn't prevalent before, every Mm -hmm. conversation I have now is about Black Lives Matter. Like, no matter what it is, it comes up. I had somebody at work literally, like, scream white lives matter too, bitch after they had just threatened me what? and my reaction to it was basically like i think connotated with the fact that it's only i only care because black lives matter time and i'm like i care mm-hmm. because this man was a racist and he threatened me
0: yeah so it has to
1: do with like the current events um well it does but it like also it's like i would have cared regardless
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
1: i feel like that's just not understood anymore Because I've just become the token, like, Black Lives Matter expert, which is just, like, not my responsibility. No, no. I don't know everything.
0: I agree. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I haven't, I feel like I haven't had anyone understand me in that way on this issue because that's exactly how I felt where I also brought up the conversations at work. And I felt, I mean, I feel comfortable doing it you know which is a big character development because if this was before i just wouldn't i don't i don't not like i don't like talking about it but it's a lot like you know no one wants to bring up like the the racial incidents that you've had maybe like last month yesterday even you know what i'm saying like it's a a hard conversation to have but like you i realized that the positive change doesn't just stop with posting on Instagram donating all like I was doing all the donations I was signing the petitions I was doing that but I it didn't feel enough so I I did bring it up um at work too but that was my thing where I I brought it up to leadership actually and I said I don't want this to be like I don't want to be like the token black girl because I I already felt that way because I was like the only black girl in my division so trying to right Right. Which is and so even when I was transitioning into work last year, um, I realized very quickly that I was definitely like one of the few, which it it felt hard to even admit because you know, these people talk so much about diversity and inclusion. They're like trying. And I was like, Oh mama, they're trying. And I was I felt like I was creating excuses for them, you know. So to have right, right. So to have these conversations and say, you know and i was like trying to convince myself that it's okay like this is supposed to be my job i should be like i should be helping because they don't understand and maybe if i can change their minds and it's like no again d- don't create excuses for them like they like they need to do better at the end of the day. I can't be the token black girl. Like, they need to go. I said, you guys need to recruit at different schools. Providence College is probably not going to have a lot of black people. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You need to step out and do those things. And I, um, it was so hard for me to just have those conversations already because I didn't feel like I fit in from the beginning because I was the only one. Yep. You know? And so did you have, because as a manager, so you have a team, obviously, did you, how was it, what was it like talking to them for the first time about um, these issues?
1: So this is where I feel like I'm kind of hypocritical because I actually haven't had like full blown conversations with my own team about it. I've had Mm. conversations with like parts of my team about it. Mm -hmm. Like my team knows that I had a racist experience last week. They knew about it. They knew that, like, I went to a protest. Like, they they know that I'm obviously very pro-Black Lives Matter. I'm friends with them on Facebook. I've been sharing about this since day one. Mm-hmm. So I know that they know. But I struggle having conversations with my direct team about it, too. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Because of what the sentiment has been at my plan. Mm. Like, I have... Um, He's like literally one of my favorites. He's from Ghana. He's on my team.
0: Hey, Ghana!
1: <laughs> I told him about you, he was like, yeah, her name, I think it means Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday. Yeah, he told me that. Um, so he's like literally one of my favorites, and he's like gotten in arguments at work. because Somebody was saying um, that uh, one of the victims literally deserved to die because he had um, a record and he was like, "So they oh should go killed that man because he'd been to jail before." And the man like started arguing with my my team, um, my teammate, I guess, employee. I'm just gonna call him employee. It's easier to <laughs> understand. My own. Um, and so, like, I I have to go in there knowing that, like, that those are the sentiments of the people that work with us. So it's kind of hard for me to have that conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I wish that I did in the beginning I just was going to work very like emotionally traumatized yeah I couldn't like go out and just be like oh hey let's talk about black lives matter because I was not in any position as a leader to listen to any other opinion that was not mine like I just (laughs) couldn't hear it like anyone said anything negative about it I just couldn't emotionally handle it and I think I missed the opportunity to have the conversation then
0: yeah. No, I, you know what though, give yourself some credit because it, it it is a hard thing and no one, everyone has their own unique experience with it, you know, like racial trauma, like all of these things. So you're bringing it up in your own way, but like you, yeah, maybe you should have had the conversation, but like don't beat yourself up over that because again, like it's such, it's so hard. Like it, yeah. it's, it's a difficult thing. That's why I said like, I, it was hard for me at first when all this started because everyone, I feel like everyone's like, my you have a platform. Like, you have a lot of you know majority white people following you. You should be using it to talk about this." And I'm like, "Do you understand like how hard? Like how? Like what am I supposed to? What do you want me to say? Like do you want me, like it, it's it's like-, like I feel like those people are like <laughs> you have to tell them that they're all racist." And it's like, but like what is that gonna solve you know like what is i what is this good i i don't understand like this isn't just a fad of just because like circumstances happen and like everyone's mad no this is my life like this has happened my whole life so the fact that you guys are just waking up now (laughs) you want me to say what like talk about my experiences what do you want me to say I don't know. So, I yeah. give give yourself some credit there. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a difficult thing, and I applaud you for honestly still being able to go into work. I think that alone, going into work while all this is going on and you're emotionally in distress, like it's a lot. And as a leader, you have to set an example. And already, as a black woman in STEM, you already have these perceptions. So when these things are going on in current events, it's like. People already know, they're like, okay, so this is what she's going to say. And this is how she's going to act and whatever, like I'm Mm going to, you know, they already have their preconceived notions. So I, I give you so much credit for, for, you know, having to deal with that BS, (laughs) honestly. Uh, Yeah. And so hearing this, you know, some of the conversations and the dialogue that you had with your coworkers and just your team, not your, not your team, but like, you know, just their, what, they've been talking about in general um I'm kind of getting a sense of like like I'm just I would love to know when you first transitioned in was it hard to fit in with your team or like with um yeah like with your coworkers and your division in general yes I think
1: I found it hard to fit in and I still kind of do sometimes um I just feel very different from the people that I work with, my interests are different, um, and I do think a lot of that has to do with race. Just because, like, I'm not I'm not gonna go fishing, <laughs> like, being <laughs> like there are just certain things that like I feel like I fit in because like these are just like this is not the culture I grew up in. I like was yeah. surrounded by it, but like. I don't fit into it naturally. So I like with my t- like my employees. I have a hard time like finding things I can talk to them about that I can relate to. Mm-hmm. Like one of my, literally one of my favorites takes the entire month of November off to hunt. That's what, what? he does every single year. I can't relate. He was like, <laughs> "Tell me to eat deer." I was like, "No, I'm not doing that." <laughs> like, Thank you. So um, uh, like. I think, I think it's been kind of difficult, but I think as we've gotten to know each other, like we've all learned to like, like each other and love each other for our our differences. In the beginning, I saw like way more differences than I did things in common. So Mm -hmm. I could have been like stopping myself from fitting in because of like this preconceived notion that I didn't fit in already. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it was definitely difficult in the beginning, at least for me.
0: I also, and this was hard to admit later on, like actually throughout the whole time I at work, um, I, as much as you and I are very used to being in these predominantly white spaces, like I still found it hard to fit in as well. Like in on my team with my division, um, where I work is very, you know, the culture is very great. it's welcoming. it's like family. everyone's very like eh, like all the time. you know it's mm-hmm. <laughs> so like imagine me times like three thousand yikes, big yikes, but um but it's I still felt still didn't uh, didn't fit in like we did like similar things, but I could just feel like I would never be where they will be if that makes sense. um I still felt like i not that they said anything to me directly or I felt this impact directly, but in general, I just felt like I'll never, I will always have to work 10 times as hard to feel comfortable or confident in this team because I I am a black woman and I'm the only one I see here. So it's, it's very, um, as much as I can navigate that space and feel fine, it didn't, it wasn't until later that I realized, that, oh no, this is not fine. Like I need to express this and say, this is how I feel I need to be more supported in this way. And this is how you you, this is how you can support people like me. Um, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why it's so hard. It was so hard for me to admit that. Cause it's like, I guess it's almost like a not pride, but, Oh, well I'm used to this. Like why all of a sudden am I like feeling emo about this now where it's like, I don't fit in. I think once I, once I was com- really forced to think about it when all of this black lives matter stuff happened and with the pandemic honestly having that extra time i realized that oh no like they need to be held accountable the the truth of the matter is there isn't that many people like me and how do you expect people to be motivated in the workplace especially in you know a field like stem for example where we're already down in numbers there so how do you expect people to feel motivated if you're gonna try and hire people and increase your numbers and like check off that box okay that's fine but there's another step that comes after that how do you keep them there how do you make people feel welcome and um it just doesn't happen when you don't have that sense of community or a sense of support um, in the workplace in general so
1: I hundred percent agree like that kind of like lines up with the conversations that recently I've been having in regards to race um, like there are employee resource groups that I feel like we just don't utilize well enough to keep the people that they do hire because like you hired one black woman for the first time. Well, it's not the first time, but I just mean, in general, you can't hire one black woman and check off the box and be like, okay, diverse. Like right, you yeah. need keep me there. You Inclusive. Need to, yeah. You need to maybe have more than one. Like when I started there, I had the one person on my team that is black from Ghana literally like hugged me and was like, I'm so happy to see you here. I want to see more black people as a leader in this place like we don't get treated well here and i'm so glad and proud to see someone like you in this position and then literally last week the only other black manager that's there he's been there literally forever was like i've been the lone wolf for so long every time i see you it brings me joy just to know that there's somebody here and it's like these are the things you need to do to keep your black employees here. Hire more. Make them feel like included because mm-hmm. if you only have one, these people this entire time have felt like a checkbox.
0: Right. Make them feel appreciated and make them yep. feel like they have earned and they deserve the seat that you've put them in. It's not enough just to put them there and say, all right, that's <laughs> that's that's it. That makes me wonder too, in this role, you know, they're very excited to see you and everything. and you are already going through a lot of big life transitions in general. Obviously, you know, there's going to be maybe some insecurities and things like that. And I was wondering how the, you know, black woman stereotype might have influenced some of those insecurities as a leader um in stem so i think of like you know how everyone talks about um like the angry black woman or the strong black woman and so as so first of all before i even get into that i, I even ask this question i just need to be like what the fuck does that even mean like do you guys understand i don't know like what does that mean <laughs> i don't know what that
1: really means my trigger word is literally aggressive
0: like i get just like, so
1: angry when i hear that word now
0: how did those stereotypes those racial stereotypes um factor into some of maybe the insecurities you might have had as um, in that managerial position and um are there any instances where you really saw that play out with your employees or your team um
1: i think that those stereotypes and this is like me being as honest as i can in my life have negatively affected me because i now like overact in the opposite direction of those stereotypes out of fear of becoming that stereotype. Mm. Um, in like high school and middle school, elementary school, I was always like considered very aggressive and angry and I just wasn't. And it's like, as I got older in college, you know, from experience, like I feel like I was labeled that way for so many things. And no matter how many times I apologize or say I wasn't upset, like, People were always like, "She's aggressive. She's angry." So now, when I got into this leader, leadership position, like I have done almost too much to be like mm-hmm. the friendly one and mm-hmm. smile a lot, so that I like am not being considered the angry black woman. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. There's just like nothing that irks me more now in this point in my life than being called angry or aggressive. Cause like, I will tell you if I am.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And growing up actually, you know, one of the reasons why I was so involved in high school, all throughout my school years was because in my mind, I was like, I need to combat, I thought it was like my job to like combat that angry girl stereotype, but you know, angry black woman stereotype. And it's like, there's only so much you can do. Like not, (laughs) this is not just one or the other. There's a spectrum of emotions that go into, you know, being a black, it's like. Any, anybody you know it's not it shouldn't just be one ideal like okay well this this is how black women always are so you dismiss their their feelings or mm-hmm. you know dismiss their actions because it's like oh they're just angry oh they're just aggressive that's just how they are it's like it makes you feel almost like uh, <laughs> i want to say <laughs> like barbaric yeah like, you know it's like why what did i do and so i also fa- i found myself especially when i was president trying to combat that narrative and i've done that my whole life and it's just so tiring it's so tiring because it's like for once can i just like can't i just enter a space and just be and just not have to you know not have to be on one extreme versus another in order for you to be noticed in general you have to put in 10 times the work so you always have to be you know maybe that person in stem who it's like oh wow she's in stem like who knew she could achieve that or some be like a a big leader on campus You, you work 10 times hard to be noticed right but then on top of that when you get into those roles and people now see you and that spotlight is on you you have to act a certain way again so it's like how much work do you have to do in order to just get through your life <laughs> get through society and the system just to live your life normally whereas someone else can just get by when someone says you're a strong black woman people use that as a compliment too and so when, which is so especially in leadership uh, leadership positions where you know there's times of crisis or like things are happening and you need to take care of stuff and you need a moment just to be emotional and just you need to have your emotions validated just you need one moment just just to do your thing and it's like you're a strong black woman you're like you're you're and they do it in, like that sassy like oh you're a strong black that black woman i'm like no bitch i'm just really sad right now i'm <laughs> weak. i'm <laughs> weak <laughs>
1: like strong black woman stereotype has also played a part a huge part in my life not so much at work right now but like my entire life the amount of shit people have done to me and just been like well you know honestly strong she can handle it and it's like what yeah why are you using that as an excuse to do things to somebody and use it as a compliment like it's insane
0: wow that's actually wow damn i gotta sit on that (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Sit on it.
0: laughs> just like take a moment did everyone hear like it's just such a twisted way to hurt somebody and just be like, oh yeah, yeah but you're a strong black woman and it's like that's <laughs> it nothing to do with
1: any I'm not allowed to react then to you being a terrible person <laughs> right <because I'm> wrong <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> it makes little zero sense but uh, is there any general advice that you have to... You know, any black woman in STEM or just honestly, just even in the workplace, whatever it is, um, do you have any advice to help them navigate the space based on your experiences? I would just
1: say like love yourself and find your confidence because throughout that, like you're, you become an effective leader. You're confident in the decisions that you make and you're confident enough to speak out against the things that upset you. Um, And I know that's a lot easier said than done, but I think that's something I've learned throughout my life and I've definitely been exercising, um, that confidence in the past month or so with Black Lives Matter. And it's very rewarding because the moments that I have felt insecure in my life have been like, or that I couldn't speak up about something or that I wasn't being an effective leader. Um, were usually driven by my own insecurities and they hurt. So if you can find your confidence and love yourself, I feel like you'll be your most successful.
0: Yeah, that, I agree with that. I think I've recently, I also too have recently realized this because of everything going on. And I've just realized that when I'm 100% myself and I show that and I am confident in that, people are more receptive, right? And then people are more willing to listen, which is mm-hmm. interesting because you go through your whole life, as we said, trying to combat the stereotype and not you know not really be yourself you're hiding a portion of yourself because you need to get by you need to navigate these spaces but um i've realized more and more that the more that i am 100% myself and that i you know am positive am confident in myself or try to be the more people are receptive to that and i i begin to see it more if that makes sense and that in turn yep. in turn helps me to advocate for myself in any aspect, whether it's the workplace, school, whatever it is. Um, so I 100% agree with that. And so thank you so, so much, Shiodanus, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. This was great. I honestly, wow. I was sitting here like, damn it. I should have just been talking to her like literally every day. I haven't, I've been so busy. So but I'm sitting here and I'm hearing the stuff you're saying and I'm like, mm hmm, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> no one else no one else gets you right now except her so. <laughs> but um thank you so much for coming and you're always welcome back so we can talk more about the jonas brothers and uh, oh. <laughs> mary j blige mary j blige next time she needs to come back on tour when this, host- this shit is over we can't wait to see her again so i can cry some more i'm surprised you're not wearing the shirt i honestly thought you were gonna wear it today
1: no i'm sorry i should have i should have
0: you disappointed the fans excuse me no <laughs> all right i'll talk to you soon donna bye bye